Welcome to Long Story Short, sponsored by the Kirkpatrick Foundation. I'm Ted Struley, the Executive Director at Oklahoma Watch. We're a statewide nonprofit news organization that specializes in investigative reporting. You're listening to our weekly podcast, which lets you hear directly from our journalists as they provide deeper insight into their recently published stories. This is Long Story Short. I'm Oklahoma Watch Executive Director Ted Struley. And this week, I'm with Keaton Ross, who covers criminal justice for Oklahoma Watch. Keaton, there's a federal trial on Oklahoma's lethal injection protocol. That's set to begin in February. What's at stake? Yeah, so like you mentioned, that trial is scheduled to begin February 28th uh, in Oklahoma City uh, Federal District Court. Um, Basically, what's at stake is Oklahoma's ability to carry out executions as it's currently doing uh, in the near future, um, a group of, of death row inmates in Oklahoma filed the lawsuit originally in, in 2014, and it's been uh, pending for several years in the federal court. Um, they're basically saying that Oklahoma's mix of drugs causes unconstitutional pain and suffering um, and that the state shouldn't allow, be allowed to execute uh, people with the current mix. Um, there's been a lot of focus um on, on one of the drugs in particular, the sedative midazolam, um, which they say uh, causes people to convulse, be really uncomfortable as the procedure is beginning. Um, so that will be the argument on the side of the death row inmates. Um, what the state will likely argue is that when we had the botched executions in, in 2014 of Clayton Lockett, um, and there was a lot of controversy surrounding that, and that prompted the execution moratorium. Um, they'll likely argue since then they've tightened up their procedures and s- implemented a new protocol, um, and now it's able to carry out executions properly. Um, we, we had, I guess you could almost describe it as a test case um, earlier this, or late last year now, um, where the state executed John Grant, and there was some complications, and then they executed... Um, another inmate in December, and there, uh, there weren't the same complications. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, we'll watch for that in February. You know, as 2021 came to an end, uh, we saw some plans start to take shape for the beleaguered Oklahoma County Jail. Uh, when might uh, some construction plans or a new jail get underway? Yeah, so we've, you know, at the end of last year, began to see those proposals uh, to build a new jail. Um, would be less floors. You know, the current jail facility is like 13 floors and there's problems with the elevators and and all sorts of structural deficiencies. Um, County officials are hoping to to build a new jail that's less floors, has more mental health beds, uh, has more open space where you're not, um, you know, not having everyone in an individual cell, which creates complications. Um, The biggest questions going forward will likely be uh, the funding, how is the county going to pay for this new jail, um, estimated to cost around $300 million. Um, there's talk of possibly using American Rescue Plan funds to, to cover part of it, but um, there's there's some debate as to whether that would be a proper use of that, that money. Um, so it's going to take probably three to four, maybe five years before we see a new jail actually open. Um, but I would expect there's a lot of a lot more debate and and possibly some votes and decisions made as far as the future of that new jail facility. 
one of the things lawmakers are going to look at this year that's on your beat is an overhaul of the criminal sentencing code. If the proposal passes as it is now, what would that mean for people involved with the justice system? Yeah, sure. So that would that would set uh, mandatory minimums and, and kind of change how um, certain crimes are sentenced, the sentencing ranges, judges and juries can sentence uh, a criminal defendant to. Um, as currently constructed, um, the proposal would lower some of your more serious, the, the maximum sentence of some of your 85% more serious crimes where they, you know, those folks could serve a little bit less time in prison. Um, but it would also set mandatory prison sentences for some offenses uh, that don't currently have prison time as a requirement where you could get out on probation. Um, so there's some concern that we could see um, more nonviolent um, offenders in prison under this plan as currently constructed, but there'll likely be some debate and possibly some changes to that plan as we head into the legislative session. And any other criminal justice bills lawmakers are going to consider in the upcoming session we might want to be aware of? Yeah, um, I would watch for bills on prison staffing. Um, that's been a big issue. And also there's been some desire in the legislature to make expungement of criminal record easier. So those are those are two issues I would for sure watch. Well, thanks, Keaton. Long Story Short is a weekly segment featuring discussion of top stories from Oklahoma Watch reporters. You can listen to the Long Story Short podcast and read all of our investigative reporting at oklahomawatch.org. I'm Ted Struley. Thanks for listening. And this week I'm with Whitney Bryan, who covers mental health for Oklahoma Watch. Whitney has a survey she's trying to get responses to. Uh, can you tell us, Whitney, what the motivation behind the survey is? Yeah, the motivation, Ted, is that I wanted to improve my reporting on mental health this year, and I thought the best way to do that would be to hear directly from Oklahomans who are struggling with their mental health or who are caring for those who are struggling. So my hope is that their experiences will help me to understand what kind of struggles people are facing and what kind of help is needed across the state. And I'm also hoping that some of these folks will become advisors of sorts throughout the year to ensure that, you know, I'm doing the best job possible in covering this topic. What kinds of things are you hoping to learn from that survey? Well, I think there's a lot we can learn from the survey, but the most important question in my mind is, what is it like to be in your shoes? It really gives people an opportunity to speak to their personal expertise and the topics that they think are the most important based on what they've experienced. So it's really not col about collecting statistics, but more about understanding, you know, the everyday challenges that Oklahomans are experiencing and, you know, what it's like on a bad day or trying to explain challenges to loved ones or even find treatment that's affordable and accessible. Those are all things that we can learn um, through the survey from people who have experienced it directly. And who do you have in mind? Who are you hoping responds and, and takes the survey? Really anyone who's had an experience with mental health, whether that is a struggle with mental health or a mental illness um, diagnosis, maybe you've had some treatment in the past, um, or if you've cared for someone, uh, maybe a loved one has 
um, struggled with some sort of mental illness. Uh, maybe you are a counselor who works at a facility that treats people who struggle with mental health. Um, or maybe you've worked somewhere in the state systems around mental health, like mental health court or the Department of Mental Health. Uh, even people who advocate at the policy level for changes to state law regarding mental health, we want to hear from anyone and everyone who has those types of experiences. What kind of response have you gotten so far? Well, we've had the survey out for less than a week, and we've already received about 50 responses so far. Um, we put this out during the holidays on purpose, so I would have a little bit of an opportunity to uh, make sure things were working and you know, get the survey exactly where we wanted it. Um, so I think that's a pretty good start. Uh, there are about 14 questions on the survey, and a lot of those are open-ended questions. So it really gives people a chance to elaborate on the areas that they feel most comfortable talking about and also that they have the most experience in. So a few of the examples we've heard about so far, uh, an Oklahoma City man wrote in about his experience having both autism and a mental illness. He said in the past he's experienced homelessness and it's been really a challenge to find a therapist who understands autism and he feels like that's really impaired the treatment that he's received for his mental health. Um, he even described it like, quote, looking into a house through a window, but not knowing you will ever belong there or anywhere else. Um, some really personal things that came out in that response. I've also heard from an Oklahoma City licensed counselor. She tells me that she's seen 33 patients every week since the pandemic started. Uh, she battles her own anxiety as related to the pandemic because her husband has a medical condition that puts him at higher risk for COVID. So she's taking extra precautions to protect him while also trying to maintain that really high treatment level for patients. Another woman from Weatherford, she wrote in and told us about the challenges in caring for her adult son who has mental illness. Um, she said, you know, parents have very few rights with adult children, which makes it really difficult for her to be able to provide the best care for him because she can only get so much information about the care he's receiving. And lastly, we've also heard from a, a Paul's Valley healthcare worker. Um, he had two daughters who struggle with substance abuse and mental illness, as well as treating patients. One of his children uh, recently came off of a 13-day stint in a crisis center, and he's also lost a loved one to mental illness. So navigating the criminal justice system, as well as the mental health care system here in the state, um, has been a challenge for him, both personally and professionally. So a lot of experience coming through so far. All right, if you'd like to take that survey, you can find it on our website at oklahomawatch.org. Long Story Short is a weekly segment featuring discussion of top stories from our Oklahoma Watch reporters. You can listen to the Long Story Short podcast and read all of our investigative work at oklahomawatch.org. I'm Ted Struley. Thank you for listening. And this week, I'm with Trevor Brown, who covers democracy for Oklahoma Watch. Trevor, one of the biggest unknowns about 2022 is how COVID will continue to affect the state. What are some of the ways state leaders and the legislature might address COVID-19 in the new year? Yeah, so one thing to watch is the number of lawsuits that Oklahoma is currently challenging um, on President Joe Biden's mandates that private, sub-private businesses, public businesses, and military get vaccinated. We're still waiting to see how those play out. They're all going through the, the legal process right now. 
but it could affect how the legislature addresses um, vaccination and vaccination mandates during the session. The governor has been hesitant to block mandates in private businesses, but a number of lawmakers are asking for that right now. Well, of course, this is also an election year, right? So one of the biggest races will be that governor's race. What can you tell us about how that looks right now? Yes, so Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister kind of threw the race into uh, kind of more into the spotlight when she announced her run last year. Uh, As many listeners know, she was a Republican when she was running as a superintendent for public construction. Now she's running as a Democrat and governor. A lot of people think it's going to be a close race. Right now, the polls show that the governor has a pretty good lead, you know, as an incumbent and a, you know, a serious fundraiser. He definitely has advantage right now, but it'd be interesting to see how that plays out and whether Hoffmeister can attract moderates and Republicans as well as Democrats. Well, Trevor, there's also a big U.S. Senate race this year, but the Republican primary might really be where we see the fireworks, right? Yes. So Senator James Lakeford is up for a re-election this year. He has two challenges right now from his right. You have State Senator Nathan Dom, and then a pastor from Tulsa named Jackson Lehmeyer. You know, both of them have criticized Lakeford for not being conservative enough, which is interesting because... You know, Lakeford has been noted as one of the most conservative, or at least having one of the most conservative voting records in the Senate. Um, Lakeford would need 50% in the primary to avoid a runoff, but both of them would be looking to definitely take away some of his votes from the right side of his base. Well, we have some congressional and legislative races this year, too. What, what can we expect from those? Yes, yeah, so everyone was kind of watching Congressional District 5. That's the district that covered Oklahoma City and kind of the surrounding counties. Um, after the redistricting, Republicans would now have a greater advantage in that seat. That bodes well for U.S. Representative Stephanie Bice. Uh, she's looking for her second term in office. Um, a lot of people thought that it was going to be a close race. She probably has the edge as an incumbent again, but now... The way the map works, she has even more of an edge. In the four other congressional seats, again, the Republicans aren't really facing any notable names, so far at least, on the Democratic side. So they are all the favorites to, um, once again, win a re-election there. But now in the legislature, we're coming off a year where Republicans saw their biggest gains, and they have control of 80% of the House and the Senate. Democrats are looking to stop their bleeding in terms of picking up some more seats. It's not going to be enough to turn the legislature by any means, but they'll be working, looking to at least to not lose any seats, which could be a challenge the way some of the races are looking. Okay. Oklahoma's uh, 2022 legislative session begins in February what are some things to watch when lawmakers return to the state capitol? So Oklahoma is in pretty good financial state right now. Um, it looks like we're actually going to have more money to spend than last year. Um, lawmakers, however, are cautioning that they're not, they're probably not going to go on a huge spending spree. Um, it looks like we're going to have another proposed flat budget, maybe some targeted initiatives, One of the big questions is whether state employees and teachers, once again, get a raise. Um, There's a lot of lawmakers, even on both sides of the aisle, that are championing that idea. 
but it's going to depend on where you know the money is actually is. And we'll know that right before the session, which starts in February. Another thing to look for is whether lawmakers try to get any more tax cuts coming. They passed a few during the last session. It'll be interesting to see whether any more can get through. Well, thanks, Trevor. Long Story Short is a weekly segment featuring discussion of top stories from Oklahoma Watch reporters. You can listen to the Long Story Short podcast and read all of our investigative reporting at oklahomawatch.org. I'm Ted Struley. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Long Story Short, a weekly podcast that helps you get deeper into the investigative stories reported by Oklahoma Watch, which you can find on the web at oklahomawatch.org. This podcast was made possible by a grant from the Kirkpatrick Foundation, for which we're grateful. For Oklahoma Watch, I'm Ted Struley. Thanks for listening. We'd like you to know that we're a 501c3 And in order to bring you consistent, investigative, nonpartisan journalism throughout Oklahoma, we rely on donors like you. During the months of November and December, we participate in a program called Newsmatch, where a couple of large public foundations match every single dollar that readers and listeners like you contribute to our organization. If you value the news that we provide, you can go to oklahomawatch.org, go to our donation page, and every dollar that you're able to donate will be matched by the Newsmatch program from now through the end of the year. Thanks for listening.